Thank you for listening to audio from Gospel Community Church in Eugene, Oregon. For more information about our church or our Sunday services, please visit gccugene.org. Good morning. How's everybody doing? You guys can slowly start making your way back to your seats. And I need my wife's help real quick. My pretty, pretty wife, Nicole. She can't hear me. Nicole, I need your help. I need you to unlock the iPad. Yeah. I'm, I'm new school. I'm not old school. I don't use paper notes, so I'm dead without those. Well, my name is Ronnie. I'm a member here of GCC. If you're, if you're new here, the goal... Our aim and goal at GCC is to make Jesus the hero and lift him up. It's not about any one person or Rick or myself or Mark or Brian or Caleb or any of the leaders in the church, but it's all about lifting up and making Jesus a hero. And we do that every week by reflecting on the gospel and pointing us back to the gospel. It is my honor and privilege to actually bring you not only the word of God this morning, but also we're introducing a new series as we go throughout the month of September entitled Tracing the Root. And I'll explain what exactly we're going to be doing, and we're looking at some select scriptures this morning as we go through. Perfect, we have a little sermon mini-series thing up there. We're going to be looking at uh, 1 John 5.21, Colossians 3.5, and then Luke 8, 4-15. You can go ahead and start getting there in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, there are some around the room. We'll start in 1 John 5.21 and kind of move through the other scriptures If you'd like to use your, your phone and pull up your Bible app on that, that's fine too, unless it's distracting like it is for me, then that's why we've put paper Bibles around the room. And if you don't own a Bible at all, that's actually our gift to you. So you can take that one home and use it and read it throughout the week. The reason why we've entitled this series Tracing the Root is what we're going to be doing as we move throughout the month of September, we're going to have different preachers come up and, and talk about different things. And when we say tracing the root, a lot of times when we, we sin, we break God's law, what that looks like on the surface, how it manifests itself a lot of times is in something like anger or lust. You know, you lash out at a family member, you know, you watch something online, or you think in, you sinful thoughts or different things like this. But a lot of times, that's just what's happening on the surface. There's all these different things, and you can, you can push one sin down, and then you'll have another one kind of pop up, and you'll start, all you're doing is kind of shifting your sin to something else. And so what we want to look at is the root, and look at different ways in which our sin is leading down to something more on a heart level of what's actually going on. And the whole goal of this series is to help us with repentance on a deeper level, on a heart level, but also experience gospel healing where different source idols have grown down deep and planted roots into our heart and caused fractured relationships with one another and then also God. Also growing in gospel growth, our trust and reliance upon the gospel, and also into a deeper dependence of God's word, especially in the idol that we're going to be looking at today, comfort and pleasure, and learning how to navigate that in a, in a way that glorifies God and leads us to life, not just spiritual life but physical life as well, and grow in a relationship with God. As a way to introduce this thing, if, if I say idols and you're like, well, I don't really know what an idol is, or maybe you think idols are just stone statues that people bow down to, 
A good working definition that I would like to use in, in this sermon and maybe the other people speaking throughout the month can build on this, I would say a very simple definition of an idol is any created thing made a God thing. Anything that's been created, you know, this could be other human beings too because we're all created by God, but it could be entertainment, it could be all different kinds of things that we take and we place them above God in our lives, and it's something we give our affections to more than we give God. That's just a working definition of an idol that we can use as we go throughout this. So we'll start in 1 John 5, 21. We'll look at Colossians 3, 5. Is, in a sense, this is going to be a little mini-sermon and then another sermon. So I'll introduce the series on tracing the root, and then we'll look at the specific source idol of comfort and pleasure this week. And throughout the rest of the month, I think we're looking at, today I'm doing comfort and, comfort and pleasure, and then it's going to be approval and power and control. So 1 John 5, 21. Very simple. Uh, towards the end of your Bible, it's the very last verse in 1 John. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Super simple six words. If you're looking for a verse to memorize, there it is. Colossians 3, 5. Just make a left and you'll, you'll find it. You can put a finger in both of these. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time and this space that we get to come and worship you. I pray this month that you would just open up our hearts and our eyes to see a little bit deeper and expose these areas in our lives in which we're given affections to things that don't, one, don't deserve our affections, God, but can't even bear the weight of ha having all our hope and trust and confidence placed in them. That you would grow us in a deeper level of repentance and coming to you in faith. I, I pray today as we look at the, the root sin of comfort and pleasure, if some of us are made uncomfortable by exposing this, I pray that we wouldn't check out, but that we would dig in deep and be exposed now. God, lay myself bare, lay all of us bare. Humble me, I pray that you would speak through me. I pray that you would use this time and glorify your own name. I pray that you would make your son the hero, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brief introduction. I already said the goal of this sermon series, repentance on a deeper level, gospel healing, gospel growth, deeper dependence on the word of God. I know, I know that's a lot. We'll kind of break it down a little bit easier as we move through comfort and pleasure. And let me try to set the stage. This is what we should be doing as we move throughout the month. When we say tracing the root, Rick, when me and Rick were talking about this, we used the analogy of crabgrass, but crabgrass doesn't bother me that much. What I really hate is dandelions. Crabgrass kind of blends in with the rest of the grass, but the dandelions, I hate those for a couple reasons. One, you, you see them, they're obvious. If anybody knows what I'm talking about, the dandelion just kind of shoots up. Sometimes it has a little flower that comes up in the middle. You ever tried to pull those, anybody? They don't come up easy, not at least at the root level. So a lot of times when I go to pull and rip it up, I get nothing but the leaves, and the root is still stuck in the ground. And it looks fine maybe for a second, and this is how we can, our interaction with sin can be. We can kind of cut it off right at the head, shut it down, but really there's something deeper going on that's still going to manifest itself later. And it's the same with the dandelion. I found out the other day, this is actually how they're made. It's almost like a lizard's tail where the, the top will just pop off pretty easy and it's very difficult. I had to buy a special tool and it still doesn't work. So we're looking at how to get down a little bit deeper at the heart level because really it was all about the heart level to begin with when you examine God's law. The Pharisees, which were like the religious elites of Jesus' day, didn't really understand this, and Jesus even exposes it in Matthew 5. If you look at 21 through 30, and he talks about adultery and, and murder, he says, well, yeah, you're not, you're not physically out there murdering people, but I tell you, if you have hatred in your heart towards your brother, you've already committed murder in your heart. 
If you're already lusted at a woman with your eyes, then you've already committed lust with her in your heart. So Jesus and the law was meant to, it was always about a heart issue and obedience to God from the heart level, just not this outward, external kind of thing where you look really religious and you look like you're kind of following the laws, but really, you know, God even said, these people, they honor me with my lips, but their heart is far from me. So we're looking more at the, the heart level. And if you think idols are irrelevant, like this is some old Testament stuff, like we don't bow down and worship idols anymore. We don't worship these statues or anything weird like this anymore. It's, it's not a, just about the statues and the idols that they would go and they would bow down. Honestly, a lot of times, especially in America, we bow down to things far more ridiculous than stone statues. And we know it's not because in Colossians 3, 5, he says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. These things weren't the name of idols or false gods set up around uh, that, that culture in Colossae. These are things that we do. So th- this is idolatry. This could be idolatry is the way in which we, we manifest you know, these sins. So moving on, that's what we're going to be looking at. As we go throughout the series, Traced and Root, that's kind of an introduction to the series. Now we're looking specifically at the source idol of comfort and pleasure. Looking at eight, Luke 8, 4 through 15, we're not going to go through the whole parable. I'll give a quick explanation of the parable, but specifically we're going to look at Luke 8, verse 14. As Jesus talks about uh, the seeds going out to the different soils and how that sprouts up into different kinds of fruit. And then 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 10, we'll look at briefly where Paul is sending his letter to Timothy and speaks of someone specific in there in relation to comfort and pleasure. If this is not making sense yet or it's not connecting, I think this will connect when we start talking about comfort and pleasure right here. So the source idol we're looking at today would be comfort or pleasure. The different ways that manifests itself on the surface, I'm going to give some of those right now so you kind of see a little bit more what I'm talking about. A big one, I'm just going to go through a list right now. A big one would be overeating. Eating is not a sin, but sometimes overeating, gluttony, the Bible talks about this. But especially foods high in sugar or high in fat, a lot of times, and I guarantee some of you out there have experienced this, you have a stressful day at work, something bad happens in life, and what's the first thing you can't stop thinking about? Dairy Queen, McDonald's, go get something juicy and delicious. No lie, this Friday I had a very difficult day at work, and I had chicken bones for lunch. That's where I went. I needed some fried chicken. Things were crazy. It was hectic. I was stressed out. And immediately my brain was like, I need chicken bones. Where are we going for lunch, guys? And that's exactly where we went. The next three, I would put them all in the same category. None of these are inherently sinful, but I, they, I, most of us would agree they can quickly become that way. But I would say video games, uh, sports, and uh, entertainment, like Netflix binging, stuff like that. All three of these are a different way to kind of escape reality. It's an escapism. It's a place to go when we've entered into stress or discomfort. And so we escape to these different things and give our affections to them. None of these inherently sinful, but once they become addiction, and the easiest way you can see these manifest themselves is with anger. Anger is kind of hard. It could be led to any one of these source idols, but this one's the most obvious. When you're trying to watch that football game or that basketball game, you're sitting there trying to play your video game and somebody is interrupting that pleasure time and you snap in anger against them, you've immediately found a source idol. That is something you are giving your heart and your worship and your affection to and now somebody else is coming in the way of you being able to experience that pleasure and you snap at them. Another one is pornography or lust. That one's kind of obvious. That one is inherently simple. But 
what's interesting about our brains is a lot of times we create these neural pathways in our minds when we experience any kind of pleasure. It's with food too, but also any kind of stimulus like pleasure that you get from drugs, any kind of high. And your brain creates this connection to remind you where to go to get that again. And oftentimes when we come into stressful situations, all we can think about on the way home or something like that is what we're going to do on the computer once we get there. You can't escape it. Once you've come into some kind of contact, you're constantly thinking about this pleasure that you want to go and release and go get this thing constantly instead of running to God for comfort. This is an example of that source idol of comfort and pleasure manifesting itself in a sin. Illegal and prescription drug abuse, alcohol, all of these are different ways we seek to relieve comfort. There was a pastor from Vegas at the Acts 29 conference a couple years ago. He actually confessed. He found himself, he wasn't getting drunk, but every night he found himself coming home and having a beer, and he kind of realized, like, oh, I, I'm doing this because this is something I'm running to. It was a stressful season of his life. He had to realize, like, this is something I'm worshiping. I'm coming and I'm seeking my pleasure in this thing. Uh, anger already kind of mentioned that. Laziness, just kind of sitting around, doing nothing, sitting for long periods of times and binge watching a Netflix series or playing a video game for like eight hours on end. Totally never done that in high school. Rick asked me if he thought that Americans struggle with this and immediately my response was big time. Absolutely. I think, I think this is a huge source idol in America. Look at how much money we dump into the medical and entertainment system, or, or, corp, or industries, yes, thank you. <laughs> we dump a lot of money into this stuff. We dump a lot of money into the medical industry. It's not wrong to seek treatment for something, but we worship our own comfort. And so that anything makes us uncomfortable, we want to seek a cure for it almost immediately. And with how much money we dump into the entertainment system. And people have picked up on this. I think Disney is probably the ones that have caught it the most. But think about nostalgia. Nostalgia is selling big right now in our culture. Disney's, they're making new Star Wars. They got the Avengers movies. If you're my age or even a little bit older or younger, anywhere between like 25 to 35, you probably remember reading a lot of comic books when you were a kid. So it's this nostalgia that reminds us of the comfort of our childhood when we didn't have bills and different things to worry about and responsibilities and work. What's the other thing? Lion King and Aladdin, they're like remaking all these movies with like new updated graphics, it's all this nostalgia to get us to think about when those times were a little bit more comfortable, and they're making big bucks off of it. I always say this is probably one of the biggest reasons why Stranger Things was so successful. It was like an amalgamation of all these 80s themes. It even had a lot of different 80s music in there. If you remember, like, the synth wave. Like, people love that. It reminds them of a more comfortable time in their lives. And think about this question, too. I don't know about you, but this is one of the most common objections I get to Christianity. How could a good God allow suffering? Think about the psychology behind that question. Why are they asking that? How dare God create a world where in which I would experience discomfort? What is the Bible? You know what's funny? If you go throughout the Bible, God never once tries to get himself off the hook for the problem of evil and suffering. Never once. And actually, the Bible even speaks differently about suffering. If you read Colossians and Romans, see what it says about suffering. We rejoice in our sufferings. We count it as all joy when we come into various trials, it says. So if you, if you struggle with comfort and pleasure, as I'm saying these things, that this is resonating with you at all, two things I want to offer today as we, as we look at some of this stuff. The first one is life, and the second is freedom. And especially if you struggle with comfort and pleasure, I would say pay attention. Don't check out. Because one of the biggest things... You have to know, I struggle with comfort and pleasure. This is my biggest source idol, hands down. 
This is what I struggle with. My wife will attest to this. This is why Rick had me come and preach this. I recognize this. I have to take Christian spirituality classes I go throughout my, my seminary. They were going to call them biblical spirituality, but BS 501 wasn't a good idea. Yeah. But I had, I had to start exposing some of this stuff and looking as I went through those classes. I realized as I'm reading one of the books by Brad Bigney, I was like, oh, yeah, wow, I really struggle with pleasure. This is my source idol and what I'm giving my heart to. And the thing, one, I got to say kudos if you're here and you struggle with comfort and pleasure. Because another thing, a way that it manifests itself is people who struggle with comfort, they don't like to be around other people and grow into deep relationships. A lot of their relationships are very shallow. Because once you get exposed and more people see who you are, you become more and more uncomfortable. So it becomes difficult. We just had a time of greeting. You know, oftentimes I even like to say, uh, I'm an introvert, haha. Ha. That's just an excuse for wanting to be in shallow relationships and not have myself exposed to other people for them to see who I really am down at the core. But also, as somebody who struggles with comfort and pleasure, we hate boredom. So congratulations for being here. You're listening to a sermon right now. Don't check out. Don't start playing that video game in your mind or thinking about the Yankees game that's going on right now or the Red Sox game that's on at one or that fast food place you're going to on the way home or that Netflix show you want to binge when you get home. Try to stay connected just as we, as we move throughout the rest of the sermon. I know it's difficult for someone who struggles with comfort and pleasure. And I, I want to make one more thing clear as we move through this is I'm not saying that any of these things aren't good things that can be enjoyed. These, these can be gifts from God that he has given us in creation. Rick even talked about this last week when he looked at Deuteronomy 14.6. God literally tells his people like, hey, sell some stuff and get some coins so when you go to the temple, you guys can buy meat and strong drink. Like he says, go celebrate, have a good time, rejoice in, in who I am, like celebrate the God. Psalm 104 says God gave man wine to gladden the hearts of men. So it's like, God gave us this as a gift. It's like something to be enjoyed. But we, we all know it can far fall off on the other end and become something that's not. So there is a, a line that needs to be walked. And Scripture can help us in remaining connected to God in a way that makes these things healthy. You see, God is life and always wants to give us life. Even sending his son to die to give us eternal life. But the, big of, the biggest problem with all these things, these gifts, is partaking outside of the context that God has given us is they will actually cause death. And not just, a, phys not just a, uh, a spiritual death. I'm not just talking like in a spiritual sense, but also in a physical sense as well, in both ways. And if you don't believe me, I'm going to go through this super quick because we're, we're short on time. I might be going kind of fast here. Here are some ways that some of these good gifts can turn into something that can lead to our physical death. Some of you guys know this already. Overeating can lead to diabetes, heart disease, stroke, cancer. Laziness will kill you quicker than cigarettes. Have you ever heard of deep vein thrombosis? You get a little blood clot and it goes all the way up into your lung or heart and kills you and you're sitting for long periods of time. Lust is a big one. Obviously, if you're out having multiple sexual partners, some of us, our parents signed that little form for us to take the weird class and health class. We know about STDs and stuff like this. They will literally kill you. But also, anytime you're engaging in these online websites like pornography, you think, oh, it's free. I'm just clicking this thing. I'm not giving to these, these uh, sex trafficking operations around the world, but it's not true. The advertisements on there are funding an industry worldwide where women are suffering and dying and being abused. So it, it's absolutely something that leads to death. That doesn't just affect us, but those outwardly. Drug abuse, alcohol addiction. We obviously know about uh, overdosing, alcohol poisoning. These are different ways uh, these things taken to its, uh, in, in our sin and our chase after pleasure and comfort can actually kill us. 
social isolation. You may not think it, but it leads to higher blood pressure, heart disease, obesity, a weak immune system. You'd be surprised pulling yourself out of community actually causes physical damage to your health. They, they will see you dead. Anger, high blood pressure, stroke, heart attack, same thing. And the worst one is discomfort avoidance. Just 100% trying to avoid discomfort. Because in two ways, I see this manifesting itself in a big way. One, if you're seeking to completely avoid comfort, uh, children can make your lives uncomfortable. They can, they can make things difficult. They can make pursuing your passions, pursuing your hobbies difficult. And one of the ways our culture just decides to completely avoid that uh, discomfort is just to have an abortion, kill the child, get rid of it, so that it doesn't cause discomfort in your life. Suicide's a big thing now. We have physician-assisted suicide in, I think it's like eight or nine states here in America. It's way bigger in Europe. If you're just completely trying to avoid comfort, you just take yourself out of the world, whether it's a physician or yourself. I hope, I hope I'm making the point how these things will lead to your physical death because in a real sense, you become what you worship. And that's a lot of what this series is, is about. You see, in worshiping Christ, our aim and goal is to become more Christ-like. With more joy, more peace, more life as we're transformed into the image of Christ, the giver of life. But the thing about these idols is they are dead. They're not, they're not living things. They're worthless. And they would see you take on their identity and end up in the grave right alongside them. And not just in a physical sense, in a spiritual sense as well. Look at Luke 8.14. Jesus gave this parable about the word of God going out, the gospel, and all the different people and people types that would receive it in their reaction to the gospel. Seeds are spread in different places, and depending on different circumstances with the people, depends on whether or not fruit sprouts up and there's any kind of life or fruit there. But in Luke 8, 14, Jesus talks about the, the seeds that fell among the thorns and what happened. In Luke 8, 14, As for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Your idols will not only see you physically dead, but spiritually dead as well, as they are. We know that thorns represent basically physical death in this world. Look back at Genesis 3.18. When Adam and Eve were in the garden and they sinned against God and plunged humanity into the world we live in today, God said that thorns would come up and basically choke out the life-giving fruit that the earth was supposed to bear for humankind. So this is what thorns are representing in this passage. The seeds would be the word of God, as I said, going out. The soil is people and whether or not it takes root. But these thorns, they come up and they choke out the life of the believer. And this happens. Even if you follow like Christian culture or what's going on in the Christian world today, there were even two really big names of people who had very big walk, walks away from Christianity. They made them very public on like Instagram and Twitter. One of the guys, I mean, this is a direct quote from what one of the guys said on, on his Twitter. This blew my mind. He said, I'm so happy now, so at peace with the world. He was at peace with the world, which is literally from James 4.4. 4. It says those who are a friend with the world are at enmity with God. This is somebody who they both, if you follow their Instagram too, you see they're, they're in love with the present age. They're in love with comfort and pleasure from all the things they're posting that I saw. And, and this, this stuff, the riches, the pleasures, the cares of this world have a real way in pulling us away from the gospel as we begin to worship these things. They ultimately lead to gospel drift. We move further and further away from the truth that Christ died for us and brought us into eternal life. The thing is, your favorite sports team does not love you. Netflix doesn't love you. Your favorite fast food place doesn't love you. Your favorite video game doesn't love you. These these 
organizations, to them, you're nothing more than a dollar sign. And they want to squeeze as much out of you until you're dead and can no longer pay your subscription fee, and then they move on to the next person. Don't abandon God for the love of this world, the temporary love of this world. Not only do these things not love you, but even if you were to worship something that gave you comfort and pleasure that was a human being that could have the potential to love you back, they can't bear the weight of that and will ultimately let you down or fail you. One, they're not eternal, and they just don't have the ability to do that. You will either crush them or crush yourself in your pursuit of that person as your ultimate source of comfort and pleasure. Only God can be that for us. If you look at 2 Timothy 4.9-10, through 10, I mentioned there was a couple gentlemen who, who walked away from the faith this summer. This is nothing new. This happened in the first century of the church. In 2 Timothy 4.9-10, through 10, Paul gives us an example of this very thing. Paul, speaking to Timothy, says, Do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with the present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. If you're not familiar with who Demas is, I'm not surprised. He's only mentioned two other places in the Bible. I think it's Colossians and Philemon, and he's only mentioned in the greeting. It's like, oh yeah, and Demas greets you also. It's almost, but not to downplay who Demas was, he clearly worked with Paul in ministry in some way. He was a brother who had worked alongside him, probably went through some very difficult circumstances. And you may not see it at first because we're reading an, we're reading an English translation of the original Greek that was written, and the way it, the sentence is structured, you don't necessarily feel the hurt. But let me read it in the Greek. I, I think there is personal hurt that Paul is experiencing from Demas, who had walked away from the faith and abandoned it for the world. Because in the Greek, the accusative pronoun is pushed to the front of the sentence. It says, For Demas, me abandoned, having loved the present age. It happened, it happened in the first century church. It can't, be, we can't, it can't be a surprise when it happens now. That people could fall in love with the things of this world and completely abandon the gospel which Demas did. He was a brother working in ministry with Paul, significant enough that Paul would mention him in the greetings when they would go out. Don't give yourself to these lifeless things, or you'll find yourself, as I said before, right alongside them in the grave. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way to life, but also the way to freedom. Not only will God pull us out of the way in which these idols will kill us, here and in the life to come, but also in the way that the gospel actually gives us freedom. This is one truth of the gospel that actually gives us a lot of freedom. In John 8, 36, it says that the Son has set you free, you will be free indeed. You have to understand, the world has to give itself to these things. It has to give all of its affections to football or to video games or this Netflix series or, the, or pornography or this person. Like, the world has to because this is it. This life is all that there is. They have to go around giving them themselves pleasure because we're, while we're here, we've got to soak it up and get everything out of this life that we can. Paul even speaks to this. He says that the dead are not raised, then eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. What's the point? Once we die, the lights are out. It's gone. It's over. There's nothing more to be enjoyed. This is what Paul calls us to. If this doesn't happen... You might as well go around. If you're in Christ, you have the freedom to actually put down that controller, to put down the TV, to turn the TV off, to put the golf clubs up, to, to not watch a game this season. You may have a season pass to the Ducks. I, I'm giving you permission right now to miss a game this season. Like you have freedom in Christ to know that you're not going to miss anything by missing that game. You actually have freedom to set your idol aside, to set your sin aside. You don't have to give yourself to that. You, if you're in Christ, 
you are not a whore who has to go around bowing down to all these things. If that language bothers you, that's exactly what God says to his people in Judges 2.17. He says, you're whoring after all these fake idols. God even goes even further, though. He gives them a strong rebuke. He says, but you're worse than that. At least a whore receives some kind of payment. You just freely give yourself to all these things. And do we not do the same? We give our time, we give our affection, we give our money, and what do they give us in return? Oftentimes, nothing. But you, you, that's not you. You actually have the freedom in Christ to step and walk away from some of these things that are controlling your lives, and you'll find freedom in that. Brad Bigney, an offer I talked about earlier, who actually came and did a, he did a sermon series over at Grace Bible Church of Ben, which is a church we're connected with through the Acts 29 network. And you can look up the series on, online on YouTube. If you uh, YouTube Brad Bigney, Gospel Treason. He talks about, he, he worshipped golf. He worshipped the pleasure of being able to go out to the golf course. He said it was so bad, this guy, a pastor, said that he would be driving on his way to church to go to work, and if it was a beautiful day out, all he could think about was golf. Like he's trying to think of some kind of excuse to get out of work, to get out of meetings so he could leave early and go hit the course. Eventually, he just put the golf clubs up. And he, he said, Oh, the freedom that that gave. The freedom that he didn't have to bow down and worship this thing anymore. He didn't have to let it control his life. I'll close with this. As I said, the, the goal of this series as we're going throughout this month, we're looking for repentance on a deeper level. Not, not just with these surface sins, not just lashing out in anger or visiting that website. You know what I'm talking about? Lusting after people. Um... Getting, stumbling into drunkenness and different things like this. We're not just talking about coming to God and saying, oh God, sorry for this little thing, but looking down at the heart issue and say, God, where am, I, where am I giving my heart to? What am I actually worshiping? And looking for gospel healing because these things will take root up in our heart. John Calvin said our heart is an idol factory. Basically, we're constantly looking for things to worship. And this is true. All throughout human history, human beings have worshiped all different things. We've given our affections to the gamut of silly, silly things we have worshiped. These things will take root in your heart and destroy you. They'll fracture relations with, with other people, and we know this is true. You should have seen me as a little kid trying to talk to my dad when the, ba base, when the Red Sox were playing. Dad, 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 dad. He's like, so zoned in. I can't even get a, a, this guy's attention. Five minutes later, he'd say, what? When there's a commercial on or something like that. They will fracture your relationships with other people, but also with God. You can't give your heart to all these things and then also worship God. Like, they will consume your time. And they're terrible taskmasters. They will rule over you. and you, they, will give, they will take and take and take everything from you until you have nothing left. It's also to, to grow us in the gospel, to help look deeper down at the heart issue in our own lives and in those around us. As a matter of fact, if you struggle with comfort and pleasure, my exhortation to you is get plugged into a gospel community this season as we move into the fall. And I know you're going to hate it because I struggle with comfort and pleasure. And I don't want to get into a small group with five or six people who I'm going to expose myself and now they're going to get to know me a little bit better. I don't want that because I worship comfort. I, worship, I don't want to be uncomfortable. I don't want people to see, oh, who's the real Ronnie? Like, what is he like? Ugh. My wife has to deal with that. But if you struggle with this, I say get plugged in. Once we start in the fall, get into a gospel community growth and you will have other brothers and sisters in Christ that can point you back to the gospel and I even give you permission and when you see this source idol manifesting itself in my life as sin to come to me and say, brother, I see you giving yourself to this. What's going on? Where are you, where are you giving your heart and your affection to this thing instead of God? I'm, I'm seriously inviting that, in, inviting that into my own life. 
And we're also looking to grow in a deeper dependence on the word of God. Here's the thing. I said this before. I hope you guys recognize this. In the gospel, we have, yes, the freedom to enjoy some of these things. Football game, beer, video game, entertainment, different stuff like this, you know, depending on what it is. We have the freedom to go enjoy these things because our obedience before God is not based on what we did. Our righteousness before God is not based on what we did, but it's based on what Christ did for us. And it is our faith in Christ that makes us a child of God and acceptable before him. So you have, I'm telling you right now, you have the freedom to go enjoy these things. But on the flip side, you have the freedom to walk away. You have the freedom to know that there is nothing in this life you are going to miss that you will not receive eternally more in heaven, transformed into an eternally higher key with God in glory. Like, you can walk away from these things. You don't have to live for this world. We're in this world for a time. We're not of it if you're in Christ. If you've never read C.S. Lewis's book, The Great Divorce, I suggest you read it sometime. His allegory of the kingdom of heaven, is just, it, it blows my mind. It's a short book, super easy to get through. C.S. Lewis is a great author, but it talks about the way he kind of allegorizes the story is the kingdom of heaven is something with more substance, more color, more brightness, more than anything we could ever experience on heaven, like there's, in, the Bible even says there's no need for the sun anymore. Like God's glory will shine in a way that we don't understand yet here in this world. It's been veiled for us. But there is something more for the Christian to look forward to. It doesn't just have to be the next season in your favorite show. You don't have to live for that thing. You can live for something far greater. While these idols want to see you dead and lifeless physically and spiritually, the God of life came and died for you so that you could experience life. And not just life, but life in abundance. Don't believe me? Read John 10.10. Amen? Let's pray. God, I confess I struggle with this big time. I'm constantly looking to different things to satisfy me, especially when I come into stressful situations. I pray for all of us that you would begin to do a deeper work in us as we move throughout the series. Help us to worship you in spirit and truth. Help us dig down deep. Help us to grow in community to help point one another back to the gospel and where our true hope is. Not in, not in these shows, not in this entertainment, not in food, not in any of this stuff, but in you and what you've done for us. God, we thank you for giving us something far greater to look forward to than just the next season in our favorite show. Than the next football game where our favorite athlete's going to fail and shank a field goal, God. We have something far greater to look forward to. And we thank you, God, for who you are and what you've given us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.